When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his hosts, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet and you invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This is the word of the Lord for us, the people of God. Thank you, Alicia. We continue on uh, throughout the summer as we have been on a series of parables in the Gospels, and we turn today to the parable that Alicia just read for us, the parable of the great banquet in Luke's Gospel. Let us pray. Wise and loving God, may the words of my mind and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you today and always. Amen. Once upon a time, a Sunday school teacher quizzed her elementary school students about what it takes to get into heaven. She said to the class, if you're a really good Christian and go to church every Sunday, will that get you into heaven? And all of the children screamed, no. And then she said, well, I tell you what, if you follow all of the rules that your teachers set for you at school and behave perfectly at night for your parents, will that get you into heaven? And her class screamed, no. The Sunday school teacher then asked, if you volunteer to clean the church kitchen once a week, will that get you into heaven? All of the children cried out, no. At which point the teacher said, well, then what will get you into heaven? And a five-year-old boy raised his hand and blurted out, well, you gotta be dead. <laughs> Do you ever wish you could get to heaven before you had to die? Do you ever wish that you could experience more of heaven on earth? Especially in these days in which we live was reading the newspaper the other day and there was an editorial writer who was talking about the emotions that we all have experienced this summer and trying to put words to those emotions and he referred to the summer of 2019 as the summer of unrest. Shootings each weekend, 
trade wars, warring political parties, wars within countries, demonstrations. Will there be a recession? Will there not be a recession? Will there be a hurricane? Will there not be a hurricane? We live in what some might call a summer of unrest. We're living those days now. And part of what we want to do amidst all of the unrest sometimes is we say, we wish we could be in heaven if just for a moment we could experience heaven on earth. Well, the good news of Christ's promise in the scripture is that we can. It is possible to experience heaven on earth right now. For when we experience heaven on earth, we simply have a foretaste of a much larger, more joyous party that is to come. And one of the key ways, said Jesus to his disciples, that we experience a little bit of heaven on earth is when we partner with God to take the low seat. Whenever we decide to put others first in our lives, often what occurs is we experience a little bit of heaven right now. We walk back into our scripture passage today and we overhear Jesus teaching the Pharisees about this claim that perhaps they can experience the resurrection of the righteous, the kingdom of heaven right here on earth, if they are willing to take the low seat. Here's the story in a nutshell. Once upon a time, we're told in the scripture that Jesus walked in to the home of a Pharisee. And there in the home, the first thing that Jesus noticed was that all of the Pharisees were jockeying for the highest seat of honor. This would have been common in those days because in the days and world of the Pharisees and in the days and world of the Roman Empire, there was a clear social status as to who was important and who was not important based on what they had achieved and who they were. So jockeying for power for the highest seat was something that was rather common. Uh, our slang way of saying this today is they may have been trying to, to, to raise themselves on the social ladder or climb the totem pole or, or, or you know, what have you done for me lately kind of world. In that world, it was a world of reciprocity. If you do this for me, I'll do this for you. And that's how you kind of climbed into this higher social standing. Well, Jesus notes that the Pharisees are doing this in the home and they're all arguing about who's going to get the seat of honor and jockeying for that seat. Jesus, in the midst of this, shares a story that must have ruffled their sensibilities. He said to them, whenever you have a wedding feast, instead of taking the seat of honor, the highest seat, I want you to take the low seat. Because someone might have been invited to this wedding who was more important than you. Jesus then goes on to say, those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then he adds as if to ruffle the feathers of the Pharisees even more. And by the way, if you are the one who throws a wedding feast, be sure to invite the blind, the lame and the lowly and those who cannot pay you back. For when you do, said Jesus, you will be blessed. You will be part of what Jesus refers to as the resurrection of the righteous. You will experience heaven right now on earth in that action of humbling yourself and taking 
the low seat. Oh, but what a hard thing that is for all of us to do. For the world of the Pharisees and the world of the Roman Empire is the world in which we live. The voices of our world are constantly whispering into our ear, take the high seat. Remember the story of Solomon in the Old Testament? We all know that when we jockey for power and take the high seat in a certain situation, it never leads to much fulfillment. But uh, I often go back to that story of Solomon in the Old Testament. And Solomon, who was the, one of the richest men who ever lived, uh, acquired all kinds of kingdoms and palaces for himself, uh, built uh, vineyards and parks and had all sorts of real estate. He had uh, hundreds of slaves and drank the finest wine and threw those lavish parties that were told about in the Old Testament. And then he gets to the highest seat of all, uh, the richest and most powerful man of his, of his time. And he says, I denied myself no pleasure. I allowed myself to have every single uh, materialistic blessing uh, under the sun. And amidst all of it, I now find myself meaningless, as though I was chasing after the wind, jockeying after the high seat. The world whispers in our ear, you know, take the high seat. For if you really want to experience more heaven on earth, and it's all about uh, uh, what's on the bottom line of your bank statement or what's on, uh, in your car driveway, uh, what's on your, on your back, what, whatever it is that uh, makes you important, that is what really matters. Take the high seat. But the high seat continues to leave us empty. And there is no rest. I mean, consider for a moment all of those factors that are causing our summer to be the summer of unrest. How many of those things can be directly related back to people or groups of people who want to take the high seat? As St. Augustine put it centuries ago, our hearts will always be restless until they find their rest in God. Take the low seat, said Jesus, and you will experience heaven on earth. The story gets told of a young man named Jesus who was playing a game of shoots and ladders with a girl who was a good friend of his. And as they were playing this game of shoots and ladders, uh, the girl would cheer every time she moved her game piece up the ladder. Well, Jesus, her friend, would cheer every time he slid his game piece down a chute. Well, the girl beat Jesus three times in a row, climbing up those ladders, and shared back with Jesus, Jesus, why do you get so excited about taking the chute? And Jesus said, because it's down there, below, from a place that is lower, where we receive life's best and most meaningful gifts. Take the low seat, said Jesus. The great theologian G.K. Chesterton put it this way. He said, I used to believe that God's gifts were on shelves, one above the other, and that the taller I grew in Christian character, the easier I could reach those shelves. But as I age in ministry, he remarked, I now realize that God's gifts are on shelves, one below the other. And it's never matter of growing taller, but of stooping lower to receive some of God's best gifts. Take the low seat, said Jesus, and you will be blessed. You'll have heaven on earth. You know, in honor of the Pharisees today, I wore my Pharisee robe. 
I will uh, share that uh, in elsewhere in Scripture, uh, it talks about how the Pharisees loved to wear their robes of insignia because in uh, uh, public places, they'd like to show off uh, just how much that they had achieved. And I was considering over the course of the week the ten and a half years of education that it took me to become a doctor. And, you know, I get to the, to the high seat, and, and I had pretty good seats at Cameron Indoor Stadium. But I will tell you, my children went back to school uh, this past week, and I watched my first grader and my pre-kindergartner go into school with a smile on their face, and it couldn't even compare to this. I mean, my identity as not doctor, but dad, the lunchbox packer, <laughs> brought me so much more joy from the low seat than the high seat. Can't even compare. Take the low seat, said Jesus. Another story I came across this week in a Bible commentary on this scripture passage was a story about a, a tenured faculty member at an Ivy League college up in the Northeast. It was back in the 1980s, uh, before the days of computers, and he had made it his um, long-term life goal to achieve tenure and work his way up through the uh, uh, ranks of faculty at an elite intellectual institution, and, and they have kind of stratified ways to do that, much like the Pharisees did. And uh, he had always wanted to uh, have something published as well. And um, one day his dream came true where his political science textbook was going to be published by HarperCollins. And so in the days before computers, he found, uh, he got the, the final draft of this textbook that he had written that was going to be published at HarperCollins, and he brought it to the HarperCollins building in New York City. And it just so happened that the elevator was broken that day, and he had to climb up all these sets of stairs just to get his manuscript off and to turn it in. And he said he was just overjoyed that he had received his lifelong dream. But by circumstance, as he was coming down those stairs, he bumped into a custodian whose name was Marty, who was mopping the floor. And it just so happened to be his college roommate from his freshman year in college. The gentleman had been through a lot in his life, dropped out of school, had uh, severe issues with alcohol. And he said, Marty, is that you? I hadn't seen him in years. And Marty said, yes, it's me. And he said, oh, my goodness. And they struck up a friendship together, and uh, he began to start hanging out with Marty again and bringing him back into the school, getting into, into some classes, and over a course of about six and a half years, seeing uh, Marty graduate. And he was looking back on this experience, and he said, you know, ironically, I spent all my life trying to climb up those stairs in the Harper Collins building, but it was when I was climbing down those stairs and did something for my old college roommate in need that I had so much more joy. He remarked, there is no joy for one of us until there is joy for all of us. Take the low seat, said Jesus, and you will be so blessed. I was watching a rerun on television the other night of the Summer Olympics from back in 1992, and they were showing highlights from uh, all years of the Olympics, and you may have remembered one of the great uh, moments from the 1992 Olympics. In fact, this is one of the greatest Olympic moments of all time. Uh, there was a runner in the 400-meter relay by the name of uh, Derek Redmond 
who had trained all of his life to uh, run this race in the Olympics, and he was um, uh, clearly a favored candidate to win um, in Atlanta, and um, I'm sorry, in, in 1992 in, in running um, uh, this race. And uh, the, all the television cameras were on the 400 meter, and uh, Redmond ended up just pulling his hamstring uh, about halfway through the race, and everyone was just shocked as to what had occurred. And in a made-for-TV moment, uh, his dad, uh, Jim Redmond, came climbing out of the stands and hopped over the fence and took his son in his arms and carried his son over the finish line. And everyone in the stadium began to cheer, and there was not a dry eye in anyone's living room. And ironically, we all forget who won that race back in 1992. But we will never forget the man who came out of the high seat to take the low seat for his son. And we rejoiced in that. Why? Because we all have been there. It's been those moments in our lives where we've taken the low seat and carried a child or a grandchild or a friend or a roommate or an aging parent or, as Jesus would say, the blind, the lame, and the least when we've carried those people over the finish line from the low seat, ironically, we have been blessed with a joy that is heavenly in ways that our high seats that we've often jockeyed to sit in have not. Jesus said, take the low seat and you will be blessed. In the days ahead, as we consider this choice of low seat versus high seat, I pray that if there is an opportunity, we will take the low seat and experience a little more heaven in our everyday lives. thought I would close today with a, a personal story of a time in my life when I experienced the parable of the wedding banquet here in Luke chapter 14 um, in modern day in a way that I will not soon forget. It was November of 2008, and I was conducting on a Saturday afternoon a wedding out in Texas that was scheduled to begin at 5.30 in the evening. Now, folks often joke about Texas, everything bigger in Texas. And I will tell you, it is so true, including weddings. I mean, we had their bridesmaid and groomsmen. I don't even know how many there were, maybe a dozen on either side. Huge wedding, uh, tons of, of Texas oil money, um, uh, people in tuxedos. I mean, the smell in, in the room before the wedding could have rivaled the perfume section at Dillard's. It was bigger and larger than life, and it gets to be about 5 o'clock, and there's a knock on the door of the church, and there's a man who is off the streets, and he's homeless, and he comes in, and he wonders where the pastor is. Uh, they found me. I talked to him, and the wedding was about ready to begin. And he said, you know, look, can you help me out? And I said, well, I really can't help you right now. If you come back to the church on Monday, perhaps there's some resources that I can connect you with. And uh, I was very gentle with him because I didn't want him to cause uh, problems at the wedding that was uh, shortly uh, ab about to start. And he looks out of the corner of his eye and he says, Pastor, can I have one of those little triangle sandwiches? 
And there in the room where everybody was getting ready for the wedding were some gourmet deli sandwiches in a triangle. Well, I didn't want to make this gentleman mad, so I rolled the dice and decided I would bring him into the room. I brought him in the room, and I remember it was a Saturday afternoon in uh, November, and Ohio State Michigan was playing on the television. So anyone who was talking or watching Ohio State with Michigan just stopped and turned to look at this guy. But the best man who was a groomsman at the wedding looked at me, eyed this man, and just instinctually decided that he was going to take the low seat. And he grabbed a plate and began to start stacking the finger sandwiches on the plate. And one by one, others started to join in. There were some fruit and some vegetables and some potato salad and a couple bags of potato chips and a soda. And then I watched this man leave this well-starched room, and there he was with this huge stack of deli sandwiches, two bags of organic potato chips, and a cold Dr. Pepper, and a smile that no one, and I mean no one, could have taken off his face. And for a brief moment, I sensed this is it. This is heaven on earth. This is the resurrection of the righteous. This is blessing. For at that wedding feast, Jesus just had this remarkable way of colliding the kingdom of heaven with the kingdoms on earth. And whenever Jesus does that, and whenever we are part of it, taking the low seat, we are so blessed, so blessed. Amen.